Welcome to Renewed by the Word with Pastor Edwin from Redeemer Church, Miami. We are glad you can join us today. Please grab your Bibles as we walk through the Word of God together this morning. Amen, church. And as we said at the beginning of our service, we continue to ask for your prayers for Marie Waffle's wife, who tested positive, yet the family is negative. Very strange how this virus continues to work. And for Frank and Lissette, Frank is usually upstairs. Uh, Lissette, who is pregnant, little Frankie was exposed to a young boy in the preschool who was positive. So they're at home as well. We pray for both of them. We love them. Uh, we miss them. We will see them next week. For those of you who are here, thank you so much for joining us. And yes, uh, awesome job uh, by our girl crew uh, today leading us in worship. We are blessed and we are grateful for that. Our scripts lesson for this morning, if you want to turn in your Bibles, if you brought it with you, you want to look it up on your phone, the blue ones in front of you are the ones in English. It'll be behind me here in the church. It'll be on your screens uh, at home. It's taken from Luke chapter 3. This is our text from last week. We're just adding to it at the end. We're subtracting at the top. We're adding a couple of verses at the end to get our whole kind of look at John the Baptist. So Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 4, word of God. As is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then, the crowds asked. John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. Amen. Let's pray together, church. Heavenly Father, we thank you that on this Sunday morning we can gather here. We can lift our voices to you, and now we can look into your word. And as we continue to look at these words of John the Baptist, I pray that they would resonate in our hearts that we would hear them clearly speaking to us today. So Heavenly Father, be here. We have come seeking your voice. Speak to us. May your spirit move in this place. Pray that minds would be opened, hard hearts would be softened, ready to take your word that souls that feel and spirits that feel empty and tired will be refreshed as they spend time in your presence as they behold your glory, as they are impacted and met by your word. So, Lord, here we are. Speak to us. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, once again, good morning. 
And it's good to see all of you. I see you wearing a lot of jackets. Are there a lot of coats, a lot of long sleeves? It's kind of cold outside, which is a nice thing uh, to have as a change of pace here in Miami. We continue our restart series, and we started this on that first Sunday of the year without the risk of repeating too much. Uh, we handed out those little mustard seeds. I pray that all of you have one. Make sure if you don't have one, grab one on the way out. And uh, I really wanted to look at, at 21 this year in front of us as kind of a restart, uh, a restart of ourselves, of our lives, of our family life, of our church life, uh, because everything was so disrupted and so messy uh, last year that I just thought, you know what, uh, that's the best way to present it to our church and to us as individuals. Uh, we'll start off with a mustard seed. The message of Christ, the presence of Christ in us, tiny little mustard seed, bringing big change. So we took our first step last week, and we looked at John the Baptist, and we talked about how he steps onto this world stage, and he has the voice of God opposed to all these other voices. And here, all of a sudden, people, even though the message, and you heard more of it, is very rough and very uh, gruff and kind of in your face, people are responding to it. They're coming to him. They're flocking. It's not 10 or 15 or 20. It's hundreds, if not thousands, coming out to the countryside to see this man who, for all intents and purposes, looks like a caveman to us. That was typical prophetic garb. And nonetheless, they're coming and they want to hear this message. And the one main word that I wanted you to walk away with last week was turn. That's what the word repentance means. Just turn. Turn your back on the old ways, turn your back on the old sin, turn your back on the old habits, turn your back on those old traditions if you have to, that veer you away from the path that God would have for you, for the destiny that God will have for you. There is a giving up in regards to turning and walking with Christ. But nonetheless, the destiny that awaits is so much greater. It's so much more beautiful that turning your back, you really lose nothing. There is everything to gain. So that was kind of the reset idea, this turning idea, and today we talk about rebuilding. The reason I added those verses at the end, I hope you caught it, is that John all of a sudden takes his message and the message is turned outward. So there is a turn because inside God is calling us to turn our back on sin, to turn our back on the old life, to turn our back on the old you, the old habits, the old words, the old way of thinking, the the old way of approaching, your old perspectives, the old opinions. It's all got to go. None of it can come with you. There's no space for it on this journey. You're starting off brand new. And so within that all of a sudden, in that turn and in that walking fresh and kind of new creation, let's just throw that word in there now, new creation walking, well, what happens next? Well, the next thing is that there's fruit to go with it. The one little phrase that I want to work on, and we're just going to kind of come back to it like a drumbeat the the entire morning, is fruit for repentance, fruit from repentance. In other words, There is this change in your life, and it's not just a change that happens in a vacuum. It doesn't just happen to you. It's not like a personal Jesus. This is something that happens, and suddenly your your life begins to give off fruit. Now, why do people respond in such a powerful way to John? Well, very simple. He showed them the end. And sometimes it's not very cool, or it's not in style in churches to say it this way these days, but What brought these people to John was the fact that he told them, hey, number one, don't be telling me that you are children of Abraham. That doesn't matter. In other words, let's translate that to our language. God doesn't care how long you've been sitting in church. He doesn't care if you know all the songs. He doesn't care if you know all the Bible studies. He doesn't care how much money you've given. What he cares is, is your life making a difference? 
Because here's what happens. A lot of people meet Christ and then they say, oh, okay, I'm surrounded by this world that doesn't love Christ, that doesn't honor him, that is sinful. Let me just kind of, you know, kind of go into my shell, think turtle, or let's put up the drawbridge to our fort of our life and let's just hang on tight until Jesus comes back or I die and I go see Jesus. The Bible calls that being indifferent. In other words, you're just kind of navigating, you're just kind of holding on not caring about anything that's going on around you. The Bible calls us not to be indifferent, but to be involved. And that's what he's talking about here. And it's very interesting that in this very tough, in-your-face message of all people, we'll talk about three groups very quickly this morning. The crowds, just kind of a general question. You saw what should we do? But then he highlights the tax collectors and soldiers. Because when you show them the end, in other words, every tree that does not bear good fruit is going to get cut down and thrown into the fire. That's not hyperbole. That's not pretty language. That's not prophetic language. This is talk about hell. I know it's not a neat word to say these days. That's what it's talking about. If you think that you're going to be this little seed that grows into a tree for Jesus and you are not going to make an impact in this life, then you have something else coming, and John is telling you this morning. I am not telling you. John is telling you there is an axe at the root of the tree of your life, and your tree is going to get cut down and thrown into the fire. And you're not going to be able to show up to heaven with the excuse of, well, I was in church every Sunday. Well, I, I knew Pastor Edwin. I sang all the songs. And he's going to say, who is Pastor Edwin? And what church was that you're talking about? I have no idea who you're talking about. And he's going to ask you, where is your fruit? What did you do with the new life I gave you? That's what John is going after. And so it's very interesting that the crowds, the tax collectors, and soldiers are highlighted as asking, uh-oh, because each of them said, wait a minute, so the whole Abraham thing doesn't count anymore? No. Being part of Israel doesn't count anymore? No. Doing my duty to the temple and the high priest and bringing sacrifices doesn't count anymore? No. So they're like, so what do we do? Right? And, and here's the thing. Even though... The sin talk, right? The church gets a bad rap for the sin talk and the hell talk in our society. There is something in the human heart which knows, intrinsically knows. And it's not that the human heart knows. It's the image of God in us. It knows that we're supposed to be connected. It knows that there's this other relationship that we're supposed to be in. And when that relationship is not functioning right, even the people who say, oh, I don't believe in God and I don't believe in the Bible and it's all a bunch of myth and fairy tales. Even those people... If you look at their lives, what do those people tend to do the most? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Where do most of the people who do not believe in God, what do they do? They're the first ones putting up a house for habitat. They're the first ones in the soup kitchen feeding the poor. Why? Because there is something inside of you that's telling you that there is just something wrong. Something that's not working. And I need to fix this somehow. Because even though I am saying, oh, I don't believe in that. You get a sense inside that I am accountable to something. That I'm supposed to be doing something else. That I'm supposed to be helping somehow. Well, where do you think that comes from? It comes from the image of God imprinted on us all. So you get a lot of people who don't believe or they're agnostic or I'm just a spiritual person or I'm kind of religious. All this nonsense language that we use in our society. And why are they the first ones? Like I said, putting up a wall at Habitat. Desperately saying, whoo, and let me post about it. I built a house for a poor person. Why do you have to do that? If you don't care, then why do you do that? No, because I want to love other people. Yeah, but where does that come from? It comes from your image of God on you. You can't deny it. As hard as you try to deny it, you can't. 
And it's very powerful that soldiers and tax collectors with all these, and we'll go through the layers very quickly here this morning, they were the roughest and gruffest and the people who had the most to lose and they, and they were just, you know, kind of hardened and hard and cold-hearted and the message just peeled them back and they said, you know what? What do I got to do? Because their hearts were exposed. They knew that there was something that had to happen. So let's start digging in. Our first point this morning will be generosity. So in verse 11, and you'll see it here behind me, you'll see it here on your screens, it says, John answered, right? What should we do to the crowds first? Anyone who has two shirts or two tunics, that's the word there, should share one with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. Interesting. So clothing and food, okay? There is a reason that there's some boxes in the, in the lobby waiting for you all to bring toiletries. Because in about two weeks from now, we're waiting for the Kendall Police Station to confirm that they're going to escort us to give blessing bags to the homeless in the area. So if you forgot, that's okay. That's why I'm here. I'm here to remind you this morning. When service is over, go across the street to Walgreens, buy some toiletries, and put them in the box. Because we're going to pack the, the blessing bags, and we're going to take them to people in need. But let's talk about tunics and food, right, after that little, uh, little uh, announcement there. Okay, tunics. To you and me, not a big deal. You could, you, in the ancient world, it wasn't like now. You couldn't walk into the Macy's in Jerusalem and walk up to the men's section and say, oh, yeah, let me see what kind of Hanes three-pack they have here. You know, do I want the white shirt? Do I want the black one? Do I want the gray one? You know, oh, yeah, let me get a three-pack of that. That's not how it worked. In the ancient world, you wore a tunic underneath, shoulders to about the top of your thighs. Nice and tight to your body, what we will call kind of underwear, an, uh, an undershirt. And then you put your robe on top of that. Now, it, it performed a couple of functions. A, it protected your body, right? Any kind of wind, if you were walking a long ways, nothing would actually hit your body. Nothing would impact it, the dryness, the sun. If it rained and you got wet, you could take the robe off and the tunic kept you dry. You put another robe over that, okay? So it was a mode of protection, it was something that kept you dry. If it was a little chilly at night, you had that in your robe. It kept you warm. Ah, so we're talking about something that protected us, that helped us function as human beings. It was a luxury to have two, three, or four. All of you can go home right now, and you go into whatever drawer that is, and you have a gazillion undershirts, underwear. Ladies, you have a million things of undergarments because you guys are the main target audience, right, for that kind of industry in our country. You have a gazillion, more than you know what to do with. Well, guess what? In the ancient world, it wasn't like that. There was no drawer in your house that you went to and it was just kind of falling out. Man, I got rid of those socks. Oof, that shirt. Look at the little thing on the collar. Let me go to... So for you to give one up, it hurt a little. That's the point that John is making. It hurt a little bit. Hang on to that. Let's talk about food. The ancient world was a hungry world. Fruits, vegetables, rice maybe, a lot of bread, no meat. You weren't going to kill the cow that gave you milk, like in our culture. A lot of fish. People ate a lot of fish, fishing communities. But it was more of a hungry world. So when he says, give food to the person who's hungry, what that means is that if you truly helped your neighbor, that night your little kid, heaven forbid, will go to sleep with their stomach grumbling a little bit, something that our culture would never accept because my kids are first. They must have everything. And you might go to sleep with a rumble in your stomach because there just wasn't that much food to go around. So that's the point that John is making. Will you give someone else a tunic? Will you give someone else food? Not out of the excess that you have. That's what we do in our culture, right? Whenever we say, hey, bring something in, we're going to do a big collection, they're going to take it downtown, or you give out of your excess. 
You never touch the good stuff. You give out of the stuff that's extra. You don't care about it anymore. That's not what John is talking about. John is talking about giving when it hurts a bit. So in other words, what he is saying is, and let me just put this into a better context for us here, right? It means that you might have to postpone your glorious next trip to Disney, right? Because heaven forbid the mouse get mad at you, right? For not showing up. Now it's at 25% capacity. Oh, the park is open. I can ride the, the dwarf ride 10 hundred times. Adults acting like children. You are going to have to postpone your glorious vacation for six months because you're paying the FPL bill and the water and the car insurance for someone sitting next to you because that's what's necessary. Not a luxury, what's necessary. That you would set yourself back six months. Oh, that someone else might be able to take a step forward in life. Does that make sense to you, church? That's giving. That's generosity. That's biblical giving. Not out of the excess, but when it puts you in need, when it sets you back. When have you ever set yourself back? When have you ever, set, when have you ever sat there, looked at your bank account and said, oh man, it's going to be tied until the next paycheck because I gave so much to so-and-so that they might make it. The economy is recovering. Unemployment has come down tremendously. It's still hovering about six point something, which is not bad, but it's not great. It's, in, it's almost in a good place again. But there are people who are still hurting. Thank God here in Florida, it, the, the economy is moving fairly well. People are fairly employed again. But there's someone in your life, and you know who they are, that they need you to call them and you to pick up the phone or knock on the door and say, hey, listen, I know things are tight with you right now, and I know that you don't want to talk about it with too many people. FPL is on me for the next three months. Don't even worry about that. And if the water bill comes, I'll get that too. Would you do that? Because that's what John is asking you to do, not Edwin. John, he is saying the tunic, the food, would you be a little bit in need that someone would not feel the need at all? Would you take the brunt of that stress and that anxiety and that worry, step out of your little orbit of me, 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 and woe is me, and me, 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 and I need, and I, me, 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 me. Would you step out of that orbit for all of 30 seconds and go to your neighbor and say, I got this. I'll take care of it for you. That's what John is talking about. Now let's talk about homeless people for a second. Because I already mentioned if someone is hurting because of the, the economy, let's talk about homeless folks for a second. And I have to thank, and I like to give thanks where it's due credit, Dr. Sam Bowie, who was one of my professors when I was getting my, my, first, my, my first master's degree was in social work. Not the pastor one, the master's degree in social work at FIU. Great program, nighttime program. Dr. Sam Bowie, I don't even know if he's there anymore. And he impressed on us this one point, which I kind of run through the filter of Scripture and the Bible, and I give it to you now. Sometimes you drive up to the corner, and there's a part of you that says, Ugh, why is it always asking, their, why don't they better themselves? Why doesn't that individual do this or do that? You're, you're judging them from the perspective of you, from the stability from the structure that God has blessed you with. But let me remind you of something. There was a moment in time when that individual who is sunburnt and dirty and smelly and sleeps in a box or in the bus stop, there was a moment in time when they were a baby being held in the hands of a loving mother and father. There was a moment in time when they were put in a really pretty crib. There was a moment in time when mommy and daddy dropped them off at preschool. There was a moment in time 
that mommy and daddy put a uniform down there and dropped them off at elementary school. There was a moment in time where they did all the, there's teenagers here, so cover your ears, teenagers, all the dumb things that the adults did when they were teenagers, you know, around the back corner of the school where nobody could see what we were doing. Do you remember adults? Can we, can we have a moment of honesty? Yes. Yes. There was a moment in time when they went to college too. And then life came and maybe they married, jumped into business, but then there was a bad choice or a bad business partner or a bad investment. Maybe it was the onset of a mental illness. Maybe they thought they had made it to the top and they dabbled in drugs and succumbed to it and it's got a hold on them. X, Y, Z. But the point is this. They didn't just kind of fall out of the sky and land on the corner with a cardboard in front of them saying, please help me. That, and we forget that. And the reason I said that all to you was to unplug you from that image, but also to open up this image to you. Even though they're standing on a corner and you might not like it too much or you might have your reservations, they are still a creature made in the image of God. They haven't lost that yet. The imprint of God is still on that, on them. And if you want to honor God, then you help them because you're honoring the image of God that they still bear whether they've been on the street for a month or 20 years. We honor the image, and we let God take care of the rest. So you know your neighborhood better than I do, right? And I know kind of the, some of the folks on the corner. And, you know, you kind of can tell who's maybe abusing the money they're being given by drinking or taking drugs, whatever. So go get them food. Go, why don't you go to the excess of the drawers in your closet and take them an outfit? I'll never forget there was one time I'm pulling into Publix and the person will remain nameless, but they, they were actually, I'll, I'll say this much, they were a kid in one of my youth groups many, many moons ago. And I bump into them at, the, at, a, at a Publix parking lot. And I'm not saying this so you think more of me, please. This is just sometimes how it happens. And I had a suit hanging in the back of my car because I had an interview the next day and I had picked it up to take it to a dry clean, whatever. And this young person was now an adult for all intents and purposes. Say, man, I've been living on the street. I've been living in houses that are bouncing around. And I have an interview tomorrow. So you know what? I have three other suits sitting in my closet. Here, take this one. I don't need it. You see? Sometimes, and I, again, don't, don't, don't take this as, oh, oh look at, it's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I gave out of, it was there. It was a moment. Take it. I don't need it. God has blessed me with the resources to be able to replace it or take the other ones to the dry cleaner. Be a giver. That's what John is saying. And don't hold it against them for bad choices or just, you know, the onset of a problem. That happens. It's part of life. It's part of life. But it falls on us as Christians to take that extra step to help however we can. Thank you for joining us today on Renewed by the Word. Our desire and hope is that your time in the Word with Pastor Edwin will continue God's renewal in your entire person and life. For more information about Redeemer Church Miami and Pastor Edwin, visit their website, RedeemerChurchMiami.org. That's RedeemerChurchMiami.org. May God bless you richly, and we look forward to being with you next week.